Pastor Xavier Reese shares the true path to success. The problem with the believer is the ongoing tendency to trust in him or her's own power. The power of position. The power of persuasion. The power of past successes. God doesn't want you to assess your strength. God wants you to look to His strength. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. It's true, salvation is a free gift. It's also true we're saved by grace through faith, and our good works are no better than filthy rags. But there's still a responsibility to be faithful to the Savior. Today, as he continues his series from the book of Isaiah, Pastor Xavier brings a strong warning about what awaits the believer who lives a life of unfaithfulness. Let's listen. Isaiah 22, verse 1 through 14. The message is entitled, Brashness in the Face of Judgment. The prophet Isaiah, through inner turmoil, personal grief himself, declares the judgment of Jerusalem, revealing three important warnings for believers. These are the people of God that he is speaking to, not the non-believer. Here's the three warnings. First, the revelation of God's judgment denied. Secondly, the revelation of man's resourcefulness in the face of judgment. And then thirdly, the revelation of man's brashness in view of judgment. The judgment is depicted by the word burden. Now notice the judgment was directed in view of the response of the people in the city of Jerusalem. This is important. Verse 1, the rest of it, and verse 2. The prophet asked, what ails you now that you have all gone up to the housetops? The housetops were used as a patio, relaxation, celebration in the Middle East, and it still is today. Many areas of Mexico, Central, South America, people, they have their house on top as a patio. You go up on top. Now, the prophet declares, you who are full of noise, tumultuous city, a joyous city, question mark? The problem was, in view of the time, they found themselves in celebration rather than being concerned about the impending danger. They were reveling in the housetops, a charge against their lightheartedness over the situation. Now notice secondly in verse 5 through 8, the judgment was divinely appointed. This is important. He identifies the day as one of trouble and treading down M perplexity, a type of the day of the Lord to come, Jacob's trouble in Jeremiah 30, verse 7, the great tribulation. Many of these things have short-term, long-term, near and far fulfillment. He indelibly states that this is by the Lord God of hosts, the captain of the armies of heaven, a repeated phrase over and over and over again in Isaiah. It is God who is fighting against them. Notice secondly, the rest of 8 all the way down to 11, the revelation of man's resourcefulness in face of judgment. The people trusted in their ability to fortify the city. They assessed the damage of the city of David, 
The people saw the breaches in the walls of Jerusalem and the people concluded the damage was great and they made themselves ready to prepare because what? They found themselves defenseless. When walls are down, you're open to destruction. They assessed the amount of material needed. The people counted the houses in Jerusalem that it would take to fortify the wall. The people demolished the houses and the people did away with the breaches in the wall of the city. Nifty, clever, resourceful. We've got it. Nothing wrong with it. But it is when God is saying, uh-uh, don't trust in that. The people trusted in their natural resources. King Hezekiah decided to secure the source of water that stood outside the city and directed into the city. He says, you also made a reservoir between the two walls for the water of the old pool. The water source was the spring of Gihon, and the destination was the pool of Siloam. Within the walls of Jerusalem, a distance of 1,700 feet through solid limestone. And they would cover the source, and the enemy would never know where the water was coming from. I have walked through that tunnel three or four times. Now, the interesting thing is that they started on both ends. And when they met in the middle, they missed it for about three to four feet. And you have to jag to go around there. Some places you have to go down low, and the water rises, so you have to be careful when you go through sometimes. But to think that Hezekiah's men chipped that thing away through solid limestone. <laughs> they only missed it by that far. By the way, you find that event recorded in 2 Kings 20, 20, and 2 Chronicles 32, 2 and 4 and 30. The charge against the people by the prophet was that the people did not depend on God. But you did not look to its maker, nor did you have respect for him, listen, who fashioned it long ago. To its maker. Gahong was created by God. He fashioned it long ago. They only wanted the benefits of God. They didn't want the God. People like that, they want the benefit of God. They don't want God. See, they didn't trust God, but they trusted in themselves. Resourceful. They used the spring that God created and gave to them, but they did not give him thanks or honor. And how many people are like that in church? They just use God. And they're in trouble. You know, their, their marriage is on the rocks and ready for divorce. And, and, and they, boy, they, they get serious about God until the marriage is squared away. They got a court case coming up. They're going to jail. Boy, God help me. I hope you understand that I'm being flippant because it is dishonorable to God. Hmm. The problem with the believer is the ongoing tendency to trust in him or her own power. The power of position. The power of persuasion. The power of past successes. The scriptures are very clear that our trust is to be in the Lord. The psalmist in Psalm 20 says, some trust in horses, some in chariots, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. We used to sing that back in the early 70s. 
Because horses and chariots equate military power. David told Joab, go number the people. Joab said, well, why do you want to number the people? You know, we're, we're winning. God's on our side. Go number the people. Well, he did. Came back. God judged David. And pestilence fell on the people. Why? Because David, in counting the people, was assessing his military strength. God doesn't want you to assess your strength. God wants you to look to his strength. Because the minute that you start calculating that you're getting pretty strong, you will no longer trust in God, nor I. Read the Old Testament. The king, and it says and the king was dependent on the Lord until he was strong. Hmm. Prophet Zechariah was told by God how he would accomplish the work of rebuilding the temple after the Babylonian captivity. Zechariah 4, 6 says, Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Always by his spirit. Let us acknowledge our weakness and then we'll be strong, as Paul says. The problem is in resorting to one's ingenuity. And we are pretty creative, are we not? We are able to assess the problem or obstacle that God has allowed, and, and we are creative enough to plug it at the expense of something else, like getting into a second mortgage due to being bad steward of the first mortgage. But we're creative. In fact, they call it creative financing. And they say, we will lend you 150% of your equity. Now, you know, I know I went to Ballin Park High School, but... Um, 150% means I'm in the hole. <laughs> Creativeness that attempts to benefit you, but it doesn't. It puts you in the hole with God. We attempt to fix our disobedience to our cleverness rather than our repentance and obedience to God. Samuel told Saul, to obey is better than to sacrifice and to hearken to the fat of rams for rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft. First Samuel 15, 22. It's obeying a different spirit, not God's spirit. David says, the sacrifice of God or a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, these, O God, you will not despise. Psalm 51, 17. That's what he's looking for in my life. Always. That's what pleases him. Always. You see, the believer should be wise, resourceful, insightful in how he or she is to use the things of God that has been given to him or her. There is nothing wrong with that. That is not the sin. The sin is entrusting the thing rather than God. The sin is trusting in the things when God tells you to trust him as of the things we have are because we're so wise and so good. Hold it loose. Look and trust me. Look to me. You see, the revelation is warning against man's resourcefulness in the face of judgment. And we can be very, very resourceful. Now notice thirdly, verses 12 through 14. The revelation of man's brashness in view of judgment is the third warning. 
Notice first in verse 12, the purpose of God was to turn the people from their sin. This is always God's purpose to turn you. Wherever you are this morning, wherever you're into, whatever is into you, whatever is going on, God wants to turn you from that. This is his purpose. Isaiah says that the message of God was crystal clear. Listen, the day was very specific. In that day. When does God want you to turn? Today. Moses went to Pharaoh. He says, when do you want God to take these frogs away? Uh, tomorrow. No, 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 no. He's not repentant. Now. Right now. Today. Well, you see, right now I just moved in with my girlfriend and we got this house together. Tough. Right now. You mean business right now. Don't get resourceful. Don't get creative. Get repentant. Notice Isaiah says that God called for very specific evidence to come forth of their lives. Here's the specific evidence. God calls for weeping and mourning, which was the evidence of inner sorrow and grief. The fact that their sin was against God, that's why they would do this. The fact that their sin had brought about their present situation, that's why they would weep. You see, many people only weep for the consequences. I got busted, but not for the sin that it's wrong. And of course, they blame other people for their present situation, right? Listen, listen, your sin, my sin is against God, and your life is a sum total of your doing. As well as I. I am responsible for my life. Every decision I've ever made. Everything I've gone along with. Everything I've been in partnership with. Everything I've, every time I've let somebody talk me into something. I am responsible. Nobody's fault. I am a sinner. I am accountable. God called for baldness and girding of sackcloth, which was to be evidence of the outward expression of the genuine inner repentance. You see, God alone sees the heart. If you tell me you've repented, I take you by faith, but I have to let time run to see if your life has changed. When you are broken inside, God doesn't need time. He says, he's repentant. Remember the book of Jonah, Nineveh? God said, they're repentant. But you and I need time. So when we see an outward expression, as here baldness, which was an expression of humiliation, and sackcloth as an act of afflicting one's own body with the roughness of camel hair, then that was an expression of an inner reality. That's the only way you and I can judge it, through time. God sees it right away. This is what he called for. This was his cry. Now notice, secondly, here in verse 13, the posture of the people was indifference and hardness of heart. Verse 13, the people responded with wrong deeds. Instead of weeping and mourning, they manifested what? Joy and gladness. It's not appropriate. It's not fitting. It's expressing an unholy attitude. You go see a funny movie and you laugh. It's appropriate. You walk into the emergency ward when somebody's kids torn apart and you start laughing, that's inappropriate. The context makes all the difference. 
Instead of baldness, they were slaying oxen and killing sheep, expressing false worship. Oh, yeah, we love the Lord. Lord loves us. Oh, yeah, we do hope. Deceiving themselves. False worship. There's a lot of people in church. False worship. They're not walking with God. They're doing their own thing. Instead of girding with sackcloth, they were eating meat and drinking wine, celebrating their sin and disobedience. Brashly. This is brash arrogance. Brash arrogance. Now notice the people responded, not only with wrong deeds, but secondly with wrong words. They said, let us eat and drink, expressing their philosophy of life. It is all about gratifying one's flesh. Isn't that today's philosophy? We are in Isaiah's day. It's all about your flesh. They said, for tomorrow we die, expressing their philosophy of life after death. There is no afterlife. Listen, this is exactly what our philosophy is today in the United States. And life is short, and it's promised to no one, so let's live it while we can. We're all going to die anyway. Now notice thirdly here in verse 14. God then revealed to the prophet the conclusion of the matter. The Lord spoke to Isaiah, revealing it to his hearing. These were not the words of Isaiah, but God's. Very important. When you and I declare God's word, people say, well, you guys are judging us. No, 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 no. This is God's judgment on you. This is God's word, what it's saying about you. It's not my opinion. It's not what I'm telling you. It's not because I hate fornicators or I hate homosexuals or I hate liars. God says this is his authority, his word. This is his proclamation. I'm only the messenger. As Star told the secular media. (laughs) The posture of God to the people was one of being against them, the Lord of hosts. The captain of the armies of heaven who cannot be defeated. Isn't it foolish to spit in the face of God? Notice, secondly, God then revealed the judgment of the people. The verdict is expressed by the solemn words, Surely for this iniquity there will be no atonement for you. Mark these words. They are some of the darkest words you will ever read from Genesis to Revelation. Listen again. Surely for this iniquity there will be no atonement for you. For the specific rebellion and lack of repentance within a given time. For this God would not accept any form of covering for their sin. No hope. Awesome. The Lord of hosts would abandon them much of the reform, as I said, of Hezekiah was superficial regarding the people, though he was genuine. And notice thirdly here, God then validates all to be his authority. His alone, not man's. The prophet qualifies it by, says the Lord of hosts. The Lord means the master of all of mankind. The Lord is a man of wars. The Lord is his name, Exodus 15, 13 says. He's the man. He's the man of war. 
And he's never lost a battle. He's never lost an angel. <laughs> a young woman teacher with obvious liberal tendencies explained to her class of small children that she was an atheist. She asked her class if they were atheists too. Not really knowing what atheism was, but wanting to be like their teacher, their hands exploded up into the air like fleshly fireworks. There is, however, one exception. A girl named Lucy had not gone along with the crowd. The teacher asked her why she had decided to be different. Quote, because I'm not an atheist. Then asked the teacher, what are you? I'm a Christian. The teacher, a little bit perturbed by now, her face turning slightly red, she asked Lucy why she was a Christian. Well, I was brought up knowing and loving Jesus. My mom is a Christian. My dad is a Christian. So I'm a Christian. The teacher's really angry now. That's no reason, she says loudly. What if your mom was a moron and your dad was a moron? What would you be then? A pause, then a smile. Then, says Lucy, I'd be an atheist. Hmm. The Bible has made salvation available for all sinners. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt and have done abominable iniquities. There is none that doeth good. Psalm 53, 1 says. Wisdom and knowledge will be the stability of your times and the strength of salvation. The fear of the Lord is his treasure. What a gem. That is a sermon in itself. Hmm. You see, the person that stands against God and flaunts his or her sin rather than falling on their faces in repentance is said to be a fool. He who trusts in his own heart is a fool, but whoever walks wisely will be delivered, Proverbs 28, 26 says. You see, the wages of, of, of sin is death, and all will receive what they have worked so hard for. Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. Every sinner will get his due. They work for it hard. For if after they have escaped the pollution of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome, the latter end is worse to them than the beginning, for it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. 2 Peter 2.21 You see, death and Hades will be cast in the lake of fire. This is the second death. Revelation 20, verse 14. Eternal death. The revelation is a warning about man's bent towards brashness in view of judgment. And so the prophet Isaiah has declared to us a judgment against Jerusalem, revealing these very three important warnings. He's speaking to the people of God, not the non-believer. The revelation of God's judgment is warning against denying God's judgment. The revelation is a warning against man's resourcefulness in the face of judgment. 
And the revelation is a warning about man's bent towards brashness in view of judgment. Flee judgment. Run to God. Pastor Xavier Reese, recapping the important lessons learned about the certain, undeniable, and unavoidable judgment due all followers of God living in disobedience. Today's study is simply titled Brashness in the Face of Judgment. It's available on CD for only $4. And make sure you pass on this study to someone in your church or Bible study. Now, once again, the title to ask for is Brashness in the Face of Judgment, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. Next time, Pastor Xavier Reese brings us the simple truths of life and death. Tell a friend and join us then. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 